With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Another edition of Front Porch Conversation on Justice. My name is Charles Cheek. I'll be your host today. And we're very excited about this conversation that we're going to have here with these village leaders that are here from Newport News, Hampton, and other areas in the Tidewater or Hampton Roads area of Virginia. Our topic today is, is a very interesting one. You're doing what? Redefining the faith community role in the neighborhoods. And that's a very apropos conversation that we're going to have today, a topic that needs some discussion, and I'm not sure we can solve all the world's problems or the community problems in this one setting today, but we're going to talk about uh, the players that are in the community and what they need to be doing and historically looking at the systemic injustice that are in our, our community. And what can we do to, to make a conscious effort to engage the community more? So I'm going to introduce our guest today. Uh, we have Sharon Hedgepath Sanders and uh, William Shackleford and Pastor Derek Perkins uh, uh, on the line with us today, and they're going to be engaging in some some great conversation that, that I know that I can guarantee you. And again, if you want to call in, if you have questions, uh, when you call in, just press the number one on your phone, and we'll connect you and get with you to. Uh, to entertain your questions. So we're going to start off, and I'm going to, I'm going to do ladies first, because uh, uh, otherwise I might hear a lot of feedback uh, if I don't do it. So, Sharon, welcome, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started in this conversation. Good afternoon. As Reverend Cheek said, I'm Sharon Hedgepeth Sanders. I'm the Outreach Counselor and Education Coordinator for the Office of the Newport News Commonwealth Attorney's Office and also a retired educator from Newport News Public Schools and Hampton City Schools. What I basically do is manage the outreach and education program to include developing and coordinating partnerships and services for the Commonwealth Attorney's Office and the Victim Services Unit, as well as the community. Also, some of the responsibilities I have is providing resources for the community and outreach strategies and the community concerns. And I also take care of the social networks and media relations, community events, 
such as awareness for domestic violence, child abuse, sexual assault, and teen violence. So those are some of the things that I coordinate and do for the Office of the Newport News Commonwealth Attorney. That's good. Do you have a life? (laughs) I have uh, a life. I have uh, my husband and my daughter that lives in Houston, so they keep me busy after work. So other than that, that's, that's my life. All right. Well, that's very interesting and engaging. We'll talk more about that. Pastor Perkins. Yes, sir. Shalom Baptist Church. Shalom Baptist Church in the heart of East End and Newport News. Tell us about Pastor Perkins. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you and good evening or uh, good afternoon to everyone. Uh, I'm Pastor Derek Perkins, Sr., pastor of Shalom Baptist Church. Uh, we are located at 1111 24th Street in Newport News, Virginia, right in the heart of the east end of Newport News. Uh, I've been pastoring there for uh, 18 years now, and uh, in our, on the east end of Newport News is, uh, if you've ever been in that area, you'll realize or you'll recognize that it's almost a church on every corner. Um, right. However, um, one of my uh, missions is to uh, to serve the community the best of my ability, um, and uh, by doing that, I uh, try my best to try to uh, partner with other churches in our community to uh, to reach out and uh, touch the community in uh, needs in the areas that um, that things are needed on the East End of Newport News. And so uh, we're just happy to be on the show and be able to share along with you. Great, great. Mr. Shackleford, D. William Shackleford, D. William Shackleford. Uh, <laughs> you know, if we, if we were on camera, I would bow to you, but since we're not, I'll just recognize you by name. Tell us about, tell us about Williams. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I'm the Hampton Roads Community Outreach Coordinator for the Office of the Attorney General of the State of Virginia. And what one of my things is that I do is I make sure that the resources that are normally traditionally held in a local place in uh, Richmond are able to spread throughout the Hampton Roads region. My region runs from Williamsburg to Eastern Shore and everything in between. Uh, In addition to sharing the resources of the office, I also work to build partnerships, whether it's faith-based, any type of community building partnerships that we can do to make sure that we have a safe and wonderful environment in the state of Virginia for everyone to live. Um, And I appreciate the opportunity to be on this show today, and I look forward to the great discussion that we're going to have. Great. Thank you, William. Pastor Perkins, you said something uh, when you were talking, um, introducing yourself, you were talking about a church on every corner. Yes. And, yeah. and it just brought up this vivid image uh, in relation to what we're talking about. We're, we're talking about, you know, the community being like a village, each neighborhood or 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 or, or the community as a whole being a village, these separate villages, these networks within the larger community of the East End, Newport News, or any community uh, uh, in an urban setting anywhere, uh, really. So with that many churches on the corners, why are we experiencing in our neighborhoods so much systemic injustice 
and the people feel like they're hopeless and lost and nobody cares about them? Well, that is a question that, um, as a pastor in the East End New Canoes, that I'm trying to find out uh, by reaching out into the community and talking with uh, various ones about um, the different things that are happening in our community. Um, I think that it's all about partnership um, and reaching out and doing more for the community, letting them know that there's a better way uh, than some of the things or the crimes that are happening um, in our in our area. Um, I think that if the church is being every corner, uh, if we would continue to come together and, uh, and minister to the needs of our community, I think that partnership, that relationship uh, will uh, somehow break up some of the the chaos and the uh, the, the violence that are happening. Um, I believe wholeheartedly that relationships um, are very important uh, to community and to churches. Churches are built upon relationships. Uh, if you look at churches today, you'll find out everybody's some kin to somebody, or everybody uh, knows one another from some um, from past or however. So. Um, what my goal is as East End pastor is to partner with uh, as many churches as I can on the East End to see what can we do. Uh, and, and most time I ask the community when we out doing community work, what can we do to help you? Not so much uh, you just come to my church uh, to be preached to, but tell me how can I help you and this community uh, so our community can be better. Okay, that's, there's something, um, I'm going to revisit that in a minute about relationships, but uh, William, from your perspective, I know you're a pastor's kid, um, uh, what did you see growing up that's different now uh, in the urban settings, and especially when we have um, uh, such a large amount of churches that are dotting the landscape? Well, actually, I won't say it's a lot different. The interesting thing is that a lot of times from my point of view uh, as being a preacher's son, I realize that a lot of times churches haven't really come together to work together. And that has been one of the things that has has kept that separation, um, whether it's between just churches or the community. Uh, And I've actually, and it might be a little controversial to say it, but I've actually relayed the uh, thought that sometimes churches act no different from our gang members. And when I say that, I mean that to say that, you know, okay, a lot of times it's that if you're not a part of my membership or my style of worship, then we can't have anything to do with you. Um, So what I think that we really need to do is start looking past that and actually start looking outward. And instead of being church-centered or faith-based-centered, so to speak, we need to start being out in the, in the community to bring everyone into us. Uh, one of the things as a preacher's son that I saw my father do in order just to build the relationships between churches, when he did events or when our church, our church led an event, what they did is they not only put our name of the church on there, but they put all of the churches in the community in there. Um, because he saw the churches as a for, as a place of resources for the community. And he wanted to let people know that we aren't the only resource in the community. 
but you have all of these other groups that are available to you. And so if one of them suits your needs a little bit better, feel free to reach out to them. And you don't have to only focus on the church that he was a member of or that he was a leader of. But Sharon, I knew you grew up. Um, you went, I think you told me you, you were engaged with Shalom at some point in your early childhood. And, uh, and, and reflecting back on that and your role in the attorney general, I mean, the Commonwealth Attorney's Office in Newport News, how are you interacting with these uh, churches? Uh, I know you got to be somewhat neutral um, on, the, on the engagement, but how do you bring them together? How do you make that uh, coalescing movement happen? Well, basically, what I try to do is engage with the community. And in doing that, I'm also a member of the Neighborhood Watch Coalition. And weekly, I go out to different neighborhoods and I speak with the members of the Neighborhood Watch committees out in the neighborhood and ask them what their needs are. And a lot of times, I believe that we don't take the time out, like William said, to go beyond the four walls of the building. We need to reach and go out and see what the stories are in our neighborhood because every person, every neighborhood has a story. And I always believe that we need to be out there and be proactive rather than reactive. For example, if we sit still beyond the walls and not go out there and find out what the people need, for instance, churches may have a day where they had the food bank to come out or a clothing closet, and they expect the community to come in to provide from the churches. And that may be just on a Wednesday or after church on Sunday. But why not? I think it'll be better to explore and find ways to resolve it from the roots, to give the resources, go within the neighborhoods and find out what they want and not expect the neighborhoods to come to us to figure it out. Proactive action always comes from knowing and understanding the essence of the story within the neighborhood and taking action. So with me also previously being a, uh, a student at Denby High School, in Newport News, I also at one point of time was a school counselor there. And to just step back somewhere in which I grew up in and also preschool at Shalom Baptist Church, I want to give back. I, I love looking into the neighborhood, seeing what they need, seeing what they want, their wants are. But if I sit beyond my walls, I would never know. And to engage, I think that is one of the most important parts of it, to get up, get out of your seat, get out of your houses, and walk around and meet people, see what their stories are, and apply it and see what they need instead of them coming to us. And I, let me piggyback on what you just said there about, you know, in terms of the food bank and the clothing closets and, and there are a myriad other uh, programmatic um, gift giving that we do uh, in the churches in the neighborhoods uh, and, and especially in the black community have all of these become enablers uh, to keep people from really uh, 
examining their status or where they are uh, and what's going on in their lives and in their community in order to make some sort of change to change the systemic things that have been keeping them trapped or engaged because programs are created every day in, in every community, in every city, all the time, somebody comes up with a, a new idea for a program. But I think Pastor Person, Perkins was talking about the relationship piece. That's the hardest piece to do. Programs are easy. But establishing relationships, actually getting engaged with people, because they're everlasting. They take a long time. They're not a quick fix, and they're not a checkoff on the box. So, Pastor Perkins, how are you getting those, I know you, you have an event coming up soon with seven churches of pastors. How are you all looking at establishing these relationships and, and maintaining them past the event so that it becomes a movement? Okay. Um, I want to, I'm, I'm going to, I want to talk about the seven churches coming together, but I also want to um, just kind of reflect on a moment of preaching if I can. Uh, Jesus took two fish and five loads, and he fed 5,000 people. And so uh, when he had, after he had ministered to them, that he saw the need. And so I feel very strongly that the same method in which Jesus used in order to reach the multitude, that he has left those same methods with us today. Uh, And with that uh, being in mind, uh, seven churches are coming together on September the 2nd, um, 2017, from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. Uh, the churches who are, uh, we're partnering together, Shalom Baptist Church, Messiah Baptist Church, Antioch Baptist Church, Mount Calvary Baptist Church, New Vision Christian Center, a Christian Union Church, and Crossroad Community Church. Uh, uh, we are coming together, and we're going to be giving out school supplies uh, to all of the community. Um, and not only just school supplies, but we're going to have, uh, we're going to be uh, hot dogs. I thank God that uh, uh, Fisher's Federal Home, that's uh, also in Newport News, uh, on the east end of Newport News, he has uh, also partnered with us to uh, to do all of the hot dogs. He's just going to he said, we have, we have purchased the hot dogs, we have cooked the hot dogs, and, and we have served the hot dogs, and I just know that God is God is, is good. And so we're going to be giving out school supplies for, uh, for all ages uh, on September the 2nd, and also we'll be having uh, the Bouncy House, uh, and, of course, food, and uh, we're going to have music uh, uh, under the tent, a different talent, and uh, and if the Lord should say the same, we might even have a gospel comedian out there to uh, to make us laugh a little bit. And the uh, the other wonderful part is that we are partnering uh, with Sister Sanders and uh, Brother Shackleford, um, along with uh, yourself, uh, Reverend Cheeks, to uh, to bring in some uh, some community vendors so we can give out information to our our community and uh, prepare the young people, the children, and the parents um, uh, for back to, for going back to school really soon. I know a lot of kids are going back to school now, but uh, our event is going to be on the second, and we just want to be want them well prepared as they go back to school with a different mindset 
and mm. by these churches uh, uh, coming together as we intend to do, uh, we will be on the ground and talking with parents, talking with the community, and we will be building relationships uh, and have that uh, personal touch with the community, and they would know that their churches, uh, as I stated earlier, seven, you know, seven churches coming together with a church on each corner, they will know that these churches are concerned about our community and the welfare of the community. And this, is, of course, is just the first of many, <coughs> excuse me, the first of many events that we hope to do in the future. Uh, also, uh, Reverend Cheeks, we also are going to be giving away free haircuts. Um, and so um, we're just going to have a lot of wonderful things on that day. Again, that's on September the 2nd. Uh, uh, 2017 from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. It's going to be on the grounds of Shalom Baptist Church. That's 1111 24th Street uh, in Newport News, Virginia. Uh, and we would love for you to come if you're in our area to uh, uh, to participate and to receive what we have to distribute it. We're just distributing as long as we have um, supply. Okay. Okay. William. What sounds good about that? What sounds good about what he just said? Uh, one of the greatest things that I think that he said, first of all, is that he said we have churches coming together. Mm. And I believe that a lot of us in this realm have seen that a lot of times that doesn't really happen, you know, as readily as we feel that it should. Um, another thing that I think that he said that really stands out is that he said it's going to be like an ongoing thing. Because now the people in the community know that, hey, this group is here, this church is here, and not only this church, but if I'm closer to this one over here, um, I know that this group is here to support me. One of the right. big things about having that continued support kind of goes back to what you were uh, mentioning when you asked, are we becoming enablers? And without that continued support, I think we can end up becoming enablers because we'll give for the need now, but we don't tell people how to continue on in the future. So right. by having that continued support, I think that sets up the perfect opportunity. So if, say, when you mentioned the food banks or the food uh, services that come out to the churches, okay, on the first time they come, well, maybe, yes, you need this, you know, somewhat as a handout. But then as you get to build that relationship with people, you can find out exactly what is the true need. Because a lot of times the true deep down need is not that I just need this bag of food today, but I might need some type of employment training or I might need some type of push in this direction or maybe even down to just would somebody be willing to help me build a resume. And I think by building that relationship and having that continued conversation with your community allows you to find out what the deep-rooted need is instead of always just covering and putting the Band-Aid on the surface, which takes us from that position of being an enabler to actually strengthening and building up the community where it really needs it in the root. Well, you know, I'm going to put a reverse spin on that, uh, and, and anyone of you can chime in uh, as a response. Uh is the community, I mean, I'm going to just go back to the statement that churches just about on every corner. And is the community enabling the clergy or the pastors to do nothing? 
uh, I mean, to not engage in meaningful relationships. Uh, because if it's all of that there, then it's the heart and mind of some group, whether it's the clergy or the community, is being adversely affected to do nothing. I think for me, I'm sorry, I didn't, if anybody else wants to jump in first, but I think for me, I don't think that the community itself is adversely affecting what the clergy or what community groups do. Because I think at the end of the day, if you want to be that leader in the community, if you want to actually be for change and be for that upliftment of the community, eventually you have to move by what hurdles you feel might be in place, whether you feel that, okay, well, the community doesn't really want us out here or the community is pushing back. I think we need to find out, okay, what is the reason that they would be resisting our, you know, assistance or what would be the reason for the pushback? And that goes back to say that once you find out exactly what the true issue is, you know exactly how to move around it or how to deal with it. Um, And I've always looked at things, I've always said that there's no true such thing as a problem. Because if you have a problem, if you have a solution for that problem, then you have no problem. If there is no solution for the problem, then that problem doesn't really exist because there's nothing you can do about it anyway. So I think instead of saying that the community might be enabling the churches and things to actually stay away, I think we just need to look further, start building those relationships, because one person in that community usually will at least be willing to open up. So if we can find that one person that will speak, more voices will start to come forward when they realize that, hey, these, this group here is not just about talk, but they truly mean what they say when they come out to talk with us and to assist us. And they want to know as well that, as the Bible says, come to Jesus as you are. They want to be able to know no matter what is going on in their community, no matter how it looks, that they can come to the church as they are and not feel that they're going to be subjected to um, eye-watching or be ridiculed or judged. They And they want a place where they can be. And um, as we once went to a the racial diversity meeting, and I remember um, taking a survey with some of the youth in the community, and they made comments such as, um, oh, you want me to go to a place that I'm only taught once a week? And it's it's a it's a show just for Sunday, and then when I walk in church, they are treating me a certain kind of way. You know, certain people sit on the front row, and I have to be subjected to all these different things. They want to feel that they are a part of church and not someone just coming in and, and being ridiculed. Mm. So they want to come as they are. And I also feel that um, our neighborhoods, are we recreating them? Are we recycling our neighborhoods? Everything will and it must change. Everything is not the same. It's not how it used to be. So we have to conform ourselves as it is is transforming out there. It's different. So, So the churches can't do the same things that they used to do 20 years ago. 
have we recycled? Have we recreated what's going on in our neighborhoods to intertwine with what's going on in the churches? No, we haven't. Mm. Okay. Well, Cheeks, I want to. Uh, I agree with what my sister is saying uh, about because uh, we're the church is changing or has changed, and uh, in so many ways, it's, it's changed in the format of worship. It's changed in uh, the in the dress codes, and uh, and I'm, I'm if I can say it this way, I'm cool with that uh, because um, I, I I didn't really particularly like wearing the robes anyway. So I like to, I like to dress down comfortable way. Uh, however, um, I think that uh, not just inviting people to come into the church, but going out into the community and and establishing relationship through church. Uh, because uh, if we go out to them, everybody's not going to come to the church. Uh, the right. doors we always use that cliche: the doors of the church is open. But I think the doors of the church is open for uh, for the members to go out through in order to reach people, reach souls. And so um, I think that it's really important that we, again, that we build relationships with our community. We build uh, stronger relationships uh, with the young people because uh, we're, um, as we get older, we're, we're trying to understand uh, the language of the young people. We're trying to to understand, you know, uh, how they flow, and they try to understand because the bridge, uh, the, there's a there's a wide gap between uh, where the young people are and where, and I'm speaking from from a church perspective, for the young people and where some of our seniors are, uh, because we can't make we're not making a, a good connection. Um, what I believe that as as we reach out into the community and develop relationships. Uh, with the community that they will understand our heart and we will understand their hearts. Um, and so uh, the more that we go out and do and, and events like the uh, back-to-school gathering, uh, uh, the more we go out, and that's just the, uh, this is for our, the seven churches who are partnering together. This is just the beginning of some other wonderful things that we're planning to do. And, um, uh, going out into the community is to develop those relationships so uh, the, the, uh, the community will know that, hey, I can go to Pastor Perkins if I have a problem. I can, I can go to uh, Pastor Green if I have a problem. I can talk to him because I remember that he took time to talk to me during one of the events. And so we have to make ourselves available to them. And then when we make ourselves available to them, then we can minister to them according to their needs. That's, that's excellent. And, and when we're looking at relationships, and I think a lot of people are afraid of, of that, that, that term relationships, especially with people um, that are outside of our comfort zone. Uh, mm-hmm. And and in order to, to, to really function in that type, you, we've got to remove the or address the fear, our own fear, uh, because yeah. we can't. Otherwise, we become followers, uh, joining on to something. Because uh, I see a lot of folks saying they're going in neighborhoods, but they go in groups uh, because they've got somebody else with them and some some support system. I understand that. I understand the the, the psychology around that. Uh, 
but when you when one person goes in the community and striking out and, and engage in the community, uh, people kind of see gives you time to want to sit down and engage with people. I know recently when I was going through Southeast Newport News and I was walking down the street, just just walking with no real purpose, but just to kind of look around and engage folks. And I got invited on somebody's porch. And uh, and next thing I know, there were three or four other people that came along and sat on the porch and the conversation started. Uh, and and the folks were really engaging because I had no purpose to, to gather them into some body or something, but just talk and let's, let's just engage one another and find out uh, how each other, each one of us ticks. So I think that the basic tenets there um, in, in, in doing that whole relationship piece in the neighborhood is, you know, one, we have to be honest, honest with ourselves and honest with those that we engage, um, that we're not trying to give them something or take something away from them. Uh, we're there to walk with them uh, side by side and whatever it develops uh, with that, uh, whether it, it, it turns you might be the giving in terms of resource or whatever else they want, because sometimes people are not always asking for food and clothing. They're asking just for your love and understanding and respect. Um, and and then we have to be sincere in, in, in doing that. And, uh, and, and so often we're demanding, because I know a lot of times when I was doing street work up in the Baltimore area, uh, in the suburbs, um, it was a very rough area. And I would often see church folks out there um, with these uh, tracks being demanding with the, the prostitutes and the drug addicts and others in the community. Uh, but that's not what they're looking for. They don't respond to that type of stimuli. They respond to love and honesty and sincerity. Uh, so how do we how can we take that model that you're using and developing down there in Southeast with these uh, seven churches, seven pastors coming together? Because obviously you all have formed a relationship. So how can we stay, we're going to take that relationship building and make it infectious with all the other churches on all the other corners within the Southeast community? Well, well I believe, I... Hey, go ahead, I'm sorry. I just wanted to say, um, just going down and and talking to some of the churches and some of the the seven eight churches that will be involved with the um, September second back to school gathering together on the grounds of Shalom. Like you said, Reverend Chief, I believe the quality of relationships comes from vulnerability. You have to be vulnerable um, for people to know that you're sincere. Quality relationships breed quality families and communities, and it makes it safe havens that show love and respect, and it's a standard of quality that the community deserves, and it makes the, the community be safer because you're being vulnerable. You're not acting like you're above them or less than. You're actually being a part of the community. I do. I agree, and that's. And I think that's. I know that's what it's going to take uh, for us to be successful um, and to to answer uh, uh, you, brother Chief, is that we're gonna. And the success of this event 
success of this event is going to help us to show other community uh, pastors and, and leaders uh, that we did this without uh, no big eyes and no little you. Uh, we we did this without. Um, this is a Derek Perkins thing, and I, I make that really clear at each of my meetings with the uh, the other pastors that this is not a shalom uh, event. This is a community event of seven churches coming together, and so uh, and the, what I've I've felt good about that each of the pastors have uh, privately come to me and thanked me for. Uh, for uh, expressing that because uh, a lot of times when churches, and there, there are groups of, of, that are, are together even now uh, who are doing things for the community, but uh, there's always who's in charge kind of thing. And when we are always arguing over who's in charge, who's the boss, uh, this way or my way, then we get nothing done. Uh, these seven pastors together are not concerned so much about who's in charge about how can we get this, how can we make this effective uh, meet the needs of the community because we are doing this to get the community attention to let them know yes the pastors, the churches are, are concerned about you we're concerned about your well-being we're concerned that and we have open ears to hear your cry. And again, that's all about developing relationships. Uh, I did other events in the community uh, this summer. Uh, one of the things that I did, um, again, is we set up a tent with my congregants, and uh, we gave out 100 hamburgers and hot dogs and bottled waters during the summertime, the month of July. I was able to uh, connect with the community and some of the young people have come up to me and thanked me uh, for doing I said, you didn't come to take anything from me. It's not going to cost you anything. You just come to give back to the community because we realize during the summertime there's a lot of uh, young people who may not have. So we try to provide at least for that one month uh, uh, hamburgers and hot dogs, you know, on each Wednesday. And um, I had... I had conversation with gang members. Uh, I had conversation with prostitutes. I had conversation with some of the younger kids in the community, and they were all uh, drug addicts. They were all appreciative. And one thing I did not um, really push uh, Brother Chief is, hey, come to my church, because it wasn't about coming to me. It was about giving back to the community, and that's what pushes a lot of times what pushes the community away is the fact that as soon as we set up something and we say we're giving it away free, we're asking something of them. And so mm. if it's going to be free, let it be free. You right. know, and don't don't put other places on it, you know. And, uh, and so what I did, what we do, this is my third year doing that, and it has helped me to develop uh, a relationship with our community, and uh, what really blessed me, I went to introduce myself to one lady. She said, I already know you. She said, you're Pastor Derrick Perkins. Now, I didn't know who she was, but she already knew me. So that lets me know that the community is watching what we are doing in the East End of Newport News, and they know you when you may not know them. Yeah. 
Yeah, the community is watching, um, and not only they're watching, uh, they're watching what you're doing and what you're not doing. Um, exactly. And, uh, so mm-hmm. it, it's uh, they're they're not just it's just not because I know I was at, uh, in one neighborhood. Um, I'm not going to mention down there, and uh, there are several churches around. It wasn't yours, Pastor Perkins. So I'm not going to say that. Uh, uh, but um, and the people pointed to the church, and they mm-hmm. said. I don't know who the pastor is. I don't know who any members because they drive in on Sunday and they drive out. Yeah. And, and and so it's become this thing that the church is just a piece of real estate in an area uh, out of convenience. And I dare say that if there was opportunity to move somewhere else, they, they would probably move uh, because of the location. Uh, but, True engagement and relationship requires us to to, to learn from one another. Uh, so yeah. habit ha- habits are developed within the communities and the neighborhoods based uh, based on what's surrounding them, the churches, the stores, the institutions, whatever is occurring there. So if if the the church is not doing what it's supposed to be doing, engaging the community as Jesus would have have us to do or as we should be doing as individuals anyway, uh, then we set ourselves up for uh, for letdowns when the community doesn't respond to what something that we're doing, uh, an event, so to speak, uh, or a program. Uh, and so, William, I'm going to come back to you and, 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 and ask you to to speak to that in terms of, your relationships that you see and that you form uh, and the response. Because I know uh, when Pastor Perkins initially came up with this, uh, that he was gathering these churches together, I think we could have done somersaults uh, mm-hmm. to see somebody really doing something yeah. to be effective yeah. and gathering the faith community together. Right. Um, well, with the relationships that I've been building and the things that I've seen, um, one of the great things is when you have a group like Pastor Perkins uh, and the group that's doing what they're doing down there. Um, going back to what you were saying is how do you get it to take off in the community and spread? I think we should start, once you have your initial, let's use the uh, group that he has right now. That's seven churches. Now, out of that seven churches, I'm pretty sure that there are some pastors or church members or something that have a relationship of a with another church that is outside of that seven. Yeah. Now, I think if you take that relationship that that person already has, basically all you're doing is building off of the strength of the people that you're working with. So yeah. in that circle of seven, say out of those seven churches, one member out of each church says, hey, I know one more church that would like to join on to it. Next year, now you have 14 churches already. Right. And then you do that same thing each time, you know, as you move forward. And I think, and like I said, it goes back to using the strengths that each other has. You know, some churches might be strong in the true community outreach, hard, let's hit the ground running. Some churches might be strong and let, we have food programs, we're able to feed 300 people. Now, if you have a combination of the people that feed and the people that know how to hit the ground running, and you put those together, that 300 now becomes a thousand. Yeah. And yep. now you're building relationships with not only 300, but now you're building relationships with a thousand. And because nine times out of ten, 
one church wouldn't be able to accommodate a thousand, now you're starting to pull in your additional partner. And you're able to say, hey, this is what this group is doing right now as our network. But if I notice that you have a strength over here, and if you tie your strength into what we already are working on over here, this is how much we can make the community grow even more. And I think by doing that, it can become infectious across the community. And not only just in the southeast, that's something that would hit Midtown and keep on going and spread across city lines. Because it's using the strength and the relationships that have already been built instead of trying to go back and recreate the wheel and make up relationships. Use what you have from the start first, and then from what you started with, you can create new. Well, not necessarily create. Yes, go ahead. Uh, I wanted to also say uh, what this back-to-school gathering is going to do is going to give each uh, church an opportunity uh, to share the different programs that they have in their churches that the Mm -hmm. community may not be aware of. Uh, For instance, uh, your Mm -hmm. uh, homework assistance program, uh, Mm -hmm. your uh, daily feeding or weekly feeding program and, uh, you know, just so many other programs that are operating in our churches that our community do not know, uh, do not know about. And so uh, this is going to give opportunity for uh, the pastors or someone from that church to speak about uh, the, you know, the programs and other uh, community uh, programs that are going on. So uh, when a parent needs uh, for their child to get some some tutoring. They know that they can go um, t- for free tutoring. They can come to, uh, you know, to my church, or they can come to uh, one of the other churches. At least one of the seven churches that are located there. Because we don't put up signs and say, "Hey, free tutoring," you know. <laughs> and so when Mama, I have to look at, uh, hey, my get a note from her teacher, from the child's teacher, saying, "Well, your child really needs to be uh, be studying more." She don't know where to go to, but if we express what we have and other churches express what they have, they ought to be able to come to us for help. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, not just just for a word from the Lord, but some tutoring or some help for their children. And so this right. is going to give opportunity for uh, for the churches to also share in what programs they have. Yeah, and I, think and that, I didn't mean to, I didn't mean to cut anybody off, but I think exactly what. Pastor Perkins just said goes back to what I was saying. He knows the strength of what his church and his group can do. And like you say, building on those strengths is no telling where it can go from there because now his church might not be the ones that do another service, but he has somebody in his referral network that he knows that he can get somebody else to mediate assistance. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. You know, uh, I I went... I think it was in Durham, North Carolina, several years ago, and I was looking. Uh, I had an opportunity to visit this uh, this model there of the community coming together, and and not only doing some of the things that you're talking about here, but they were uh, a depressed neighborhood. They were able to transform the neighborhood in terms of um, bringing in. I think they needed a grocery store, and um, and they the community did it, not the city. The community did it, um, and. Another thing they did, uh, there was an aban- abandoned warehouse area or some abandoned places, and they were able to find someone to come in there and develop this incubator sort of uh, uh, network. 
out of that building and make it more attractional to the community. But two of the things that there was actually three things. I can't remember the third thing they said, but they, as they were putting the groups together, not all churches and organizations in the community came to the table, or if they came to the table, they soon left the table. Uh, and one of the reasons why is because they had three rules, and two of them I remember. Uh, one was check your ego at the door. Uh, and the, the second one was it's about the community and not your program. Uh, so, mm-hmm. and, and I forgot what the third one was, but some folks who came to the table initially had to leave because it couldn't be about them. Right. It, it was now about a collective effort. And so, yeah. And they then they couldn't handle that because uh but but the community was able to make these strides because of those two or well, it was three things, but those three those three things because now they were working cohesively and collectively together and, and advancing the community and not self. Now a byproduct of that was yes, those churches started to gain uh more uh, congregants, but it wasn't that they went out there looking for them. People just went, as you said, Pastor Perkins, they came back to folks they felt comfortable with, folks that right. connected with them. Um, and right. then in another place I saw out of effort, some similar to what you're doing, uh, they ended up putting in a cafe, or for lack mm. of a better word, a, a safe place. One of the churches had all the space, and it, and it wasn't a place where people had to come in there and feel like they had to, to, to hold up their finger and be this righteous person uh, walking through there, but someplace they gathered to talk and just talk about community and families and self, and it just became this engaging network that developed. Uh, and so, I think it's exceptional to um, Pastor Perkins that I know a lot of the community pieces um, with the small churches meeting together because you're you are right in the neighborhood, so people are able to walk to you compared to some of the larger churches, as some of the communities say, they could care less because most of those members do not live in the neighborhood. they drive to the church, so they don't even live in the same vicinity as the church, and every relationship is different. But as we know that how society is going now, all black lives matter, but we have to realize in every relationship it is different, but they all matter. The more relationships you have, the better it is. For example, if you believe when you're within a neighborhood and if more relationships are working together, like, for instance, a local gang member, might be just the person you need to help your organization to build a new playground in your neighborhood, whether they are government officials, school teachers, business people, the elders in the neighborhood, gardeners, children, people with disability, or even homeless people, or whomever else building friendships will pay off in ways you would never have anticipated if you let the community take ownership in their community and not feeling that people from the church or people they feel that they think that is better than their community can come in and, and help, but let them take ownership in their community. Yes. I, I totally agree um, that uh, the community needs to know 
that they have ownership in the community and that we are that we are there for. Uh, as I stated in my uh, introduction of who I was, I've been Shalom at 18 years, and uh, because I have reached out to the community, knowing that they are um, uh, gangs in our areas and um, you know other uh, people in our area, and reaching out to them and con- uh, connecting with them. Um, I can honestly say that we have, in 18 years, very few incidents. Uh, a church has never been broken into, uh, I think, in 18 years. Only one time we had a situation where someone's car was tampered with. Um, I even uh, had a neighbor across the street when he saw something that wasn't uh, wasn't being done proper over at on the grounds of our church, he would call me and let me know. And I, I really believe that this is as a result of communicating with the community. And um, even uh, on Fridays, we have a feeding. Every Friday, we have we try to give a hot meal and, you know, again, engaging different ones in the community. And so they're not going to mess up where they eat. They're not going to mess they're not going to mess up the place that's going to provide for their children and for the community. And so as much as we, the more we do for the community, the more the community will do for us and watch out for us. Yeah, and that's, and that's, and that's important. William, William, how can we, um, I know we're, we're behind this effort that's there and other efforts similar to that in other places, but how can we get this into the circle where it needs to be? so that we can impact a greater. I know you were talking about the multiplication within the group they have now, but it needs to go somewhere else. And uh, how do we get there? I think a lot of that goes back to when the earlier comments came up that the doors of the church are open for a reason. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. only mean it's open for people to come in. It also means that the people that are inside can go out to reach out to other people. And I think that's one of the big ways that, you know, goes to build those relationships with the group that might need additional support or even with the group that might be able to support your cause. I think at the end of the day, one of the big things that needs to first be done is finding out what a true goal for the community is, which that starts by talking to the community. You know, when you're out there having the hot dog and the burgers and stuff, you're talking to them, you know, and not so much saying what can we do for you, but what are some of the things that you would like to see? And I yeah. think a lot of times it also depends on how we present things to people because nobody wants to feel like, hey, I'm a needy person and that's why this group is out here doing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you present it in a manner that says, hey, I'm part of this community too, and these are some of the things I'd like to see, what are some of the things you'd like to see And I think when we start having those discussions, especially like you were saying, at the end of the day, everybody wants a safe place to live. Everybody wants their children to be able to run to the streets and have fun. Everybody wants to have availability of food, you know, that they don't have to go miles away from. And I think once we find out the true goals and what is necessary in a community, then we also can now form a plan to go out there and strategically target exactly, okay, who do we need to meet with to make this happen? You know, if it's outside of my circle over here, 
how do they how do I make my way into the circle that does have what I need at this moment? And I think those are some of the things that we can do in order to make it expand and, and broaden what we're trying to do and broaden the effort. And and, and we, we have to remove that stigmatism too because we don't the one thing people have been experimenting with and programmed to death in the inner city. Uh, and and so they're they're feeling less than themselves, although they know they're important, but nobody else sees them as being important or a valuable resource. And, and I go back to something you said, we can elaborate on this, that you told me once about how you uh, took that student who was uh, labeled something and made into a, a shining star. I mean, if you can elaborate on that a little bit. Okay. Um that goes back to, uh, I guess, what you're mentioning is how I relate to kids and, and how I talk about them. Um, and the students uh, that I worked in, I worked in a Title I school for eight and a half years. And the Title I schools are usually in your lower income, lower socioeconomic neighborhoods. And so a lot of times when you're talking about these schools and stuff like that, you always want people tend to call these groups uh, um, sorry, lost my train of thought. People tend to call these groups at-risk groups. And my thing is, why call them at-risk? What truly is making them more at-risk than anybody else? And I think for me, when I started dealing with my students, I started letting my students know, you're not at-risk. You're just one of my students with high potential. And I call my kids high-potential children, you know, they just haven't had the opportunities to reach the potential that they actually have. And so the thing is, is kind of like going back to what does the community need? All right, for this child, what is your goal? I would like to do this in the future. I would like to be a doctor. Okay, what strategies do we need to put in place to make sure that you're successful? And I think a lot of times when we, even just how we discuss the groups that we work with, with when we use the words needy or we use the words at risk, that automatically puts us in the mindset that, hey, I'm working with a group that's less than me or has some type of issue. But if you change your mindset and how you even think about them, just by changing the adjectives that you use for the groups that you're working with and going from at risk to saying, I don't work with an at risk population, I work with a high potential population, that immediately says, to yourself, your mindset switches and says, well, I'm not just dealing with a group of people that's not trying and not working. This group has some potential, and they want to actually get somewhere. They have goals. Now, let's look at the roadblocks, and let's see what we can do to make sure that they can conquer and overcome their roadblocks to actually succeed. And so I think a lot of it comes back just to changing the mindset of the groups that we're working with and how we want to move forward with those groups. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Sharon, you want to piggyback on that? Well, basically, I think William said it all. We have to mm-hmm. basically build the mindset of our our youth, especially. We have to remind them that they are great, that they are never less than. And we just need to infiltrate that into them and, and just let them know that we care. And, and they're, they're more than life itself. And a lot of times that's not what they see. That's not what they hear. And we have to form relationships with them because sometimes they don't get it at home. 
And that's why the churches, the community leaders, the law enforcement, all of us need to be out there showing them that, that it's not the same face that's walking around just in your neighborhood. It's, it's other people, and we are all reaching for the same goal. We should be community builders and approaching relationships with integrity and making them feel that way because not because we want something from them, but because we genuinely care and we love them all the same because isn't that what God tells us that we're supposed to do? And that everybody has something to offer and everybody is trying to reach that common goal. Great. We could go a lot longer. Time is drawing to a close and we're going to encourage Pastor Perkins and others that have joined him and others who are doing similar activities Keep on doing what you're doing. So we can keep asking the question, you're doing what? Thank you for tuning in today. We'll see you next Thursday on Front Porch Conversation on Justice. God bless. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.